I love to measure myself against the best in the world. So I love the big races. When I had to pick my first like real long distance race, I was like, I want to do Oceanside because I know the best in the world will be there. Um, and I want to see just how good I am. Like, how good am I compared to the best in the world? Why do I need to improve? And the only way to find out is to race the best in the world. So I wanted to race Oceanside in 2019 because I knew that Lionel would be there, Jan would be there. They both ended up not coming. But, but I wanted to race them because I wanted to see what am I missing? Like, what major features do I need to improve on? And it's been the same this year. I mean, I've, I've raced the Challenger Championship first. Then I raced European Champs in Elsinore. I raced uh, P2O Canadian Open. I was supposed to race US Open and then World Champs now. And then I have one more championship race this year. And I just want to race the best in the world. I feel like that's how I race the best. Um, I still haven't won a race and also want to do that. But at the same time, I feel like I evolve the most as an athlete when I race the best in the world. And I also feel like that's when I race the best. Welcome to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are Jess and BJ, and we are coming to you from St. George, Utah. We are just days away from the Ironman 70.3 World Championships, and today we are sitting down with premier Danish triathlete Mickey Toholt. After racing for years on the ETU and ITU circuits for the Danish national team, he earned his first professional podium in 2017 at the Challenge Denmark Half. Mickey made his Ironman debut in 2019 at 70.3 Oceanside, where he placed eighth and then returned in 2021 to claim second place on the day just weeks after finishing fourth in the world at the 70.3 World Championship. This year, we saw Mickey take fourth at the Challenge Family Championship, second at Ironman 70.3 Elsinore, and 10th at the PTO Canadian Open in a very stacked field. Of course, these are just a handful of his results, so please make no mistake, Mickey is no stranger to the podium. We're so grateful to be here with him in person today and looking forward to diving in with one of the best triathletes in the world. Mickey, thank you and Welcome to the show. Thanks for the very beautiful introduction. Wow. Mm. Well, thank you for letting us come uh, to your homestay the week of one of the biggest races of the year. It's just really generous that you're lending your time, not just to us, but to everybody in, in this community that is going to listen to this. So, um, so thank you for that. Of course. I'm happy to share and happy to be on the show. So I think uh, we'd be remiss if we first did not thank our mutual friends, Matt and Sabrina, who, um, you know, I don't know if you remember this, but it was like, it was kind of a quick little blip, but we met um, really briefly, I think when you first came to Oceanside, maybe back in 2019, um, you were staying with them and I remember them just saying like, you know, this is a guy to watch, you, you're going to have to interview him. And um, it's been a good like year or year and a half or so of us being in touch and, you know, the timing just didn't work. And so I want to thank Matt and Sabrina for bringing us together. And I know that they were just here with you doing some training, some shenanigans things like that yeah um yeah homestays are a wonderful thing um madison brina was my first ever homestay um and yeah those two are amazing um i connected with them through a mutual friend in denmark um and yeah matt wrote me straight away that i was more than welcome um and i know that i was their first homestay as well 
And Sabrina told Matt the day before if they could fa- cancel the whole thing because she puts up Iron Man 73 Oceanside and she was so stressed out and could not handle the stress of having me come as well. Um, but Matt said, no way, we cannot cancel with this guy now. He's coming tomorrow. Um, and so, yeah, I showed up there on the doorstep, took an Uber from LAX to, to Oceanside, um, arrived in the middle of the night and... Yeah, uh, pretty quick we became really good friends and I came back again in, in December in 2019 and raised Indian Wells. Um, and yeah, I mean, Mansbrin and I are really good friends and they have been and visited me in Denmark twice as well. And yeah, they were here for a little week um, supporting me, having fun, um, playing around, helping me prepare for the race. So, yeah. And so Matt is about to be a dad mm-hmm. and you are a dad. Sabrina is is well on her way as I'm sure you saw. I mean, just amazing things she's due on Thanksgiving Day. So uh, did you impart any fatherhood wisdom on Matt? Yeah, I told him to be... Uh, I said, Matt, you better be very afraid now. He said, oh, I'm so afraid. I'm so scared. I said, good, then you're doing it right. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's ready. Um, he's afraid, he's scared, but in the good way. Um, and then I told him that, you know, his mom is living fairly close by as well. And I said, you better. I know grandma can be a little much, but but you'll be glad you have her because you'll very much come in handy. Um, it's it's a tough job to be a parent and, and grandparents are really nice to have. How has, so as a dad, how is your, a recent dad, how has your training maybe changed or maybe um, your allotment of time dedicated to training versus... Now you've got you know this little young um, soul to take care of. How how have things shifted, or have they? Mm, yeah, I would say that I've become a little more efficient. Um, I don't spend as much time uh, away when I'm training. Um, I'm a little quicker in the locker room. A little quicker to just get the job done when I'm out training. Um, maybe more focused as well. And then I feel like I'm racing for something more than just myself now as well. Um, and yeah, I kind of, when I go away, I want, I want my little boy to be proud of me. Um, so yeah, I always have him in the back of my mind. And then I feel like there's a little pressure as well because I need to bring home diaper money when I'm away. Um, yeah, so there's a little more pressure to perform, but I feel like it's in a good way. Are you, um, they're not here with you now. Are you missing them a little bit? Oh, I'm missing them a lot. Um, I mean, I've been here for 12 days now. And I was also just away in Dallas uh, a month ago for 10 days where I crashed right before the race and couldn't race and just felt like I had wasted um, time away from family. And that was, that was of course, tough. Um, I mean, every time you spend time away from your family, you want it to be meaningful. And then not being able to race was, was tough. Um, it was tough, yeah, having to set that one out. But that makes me just want to perform here even more. Um, and I feel ready for that. And I just want to put on a good show and, and show everyone back home that what I'm doing is worth keep doing. Um, and I love what I do. What's it going to take uh, for you to really shine on Saturday? Um, I'll have to be there physically, uh, mentally. Um, and I'm going to have to be happy. Um, I feel like I race my best when I'm happy. Um, and I just feel so at home here, so I feel like that'll be easy. Um, the homes I have here in, in Utah as well make me feel so welcome, so at home. 
um, which also makes it easier being away from home because I actually feel like I'm, I'm part of the family here as well. Um, also makes me miss my my own family a little more, but but it's kind of nice to have a U.S. family here as well. Um, and yeah, I mean Utah is a nice place, St. Joseph is a lovely place. I love this race. I love how the community is supporting um, the race, and and you can feel like it's just a special atmosphere being out here on the course. Um, we were out doing the whole bike course yesterday, and we had a few guys joining in, and it was so much fun. I mean, they joined. 80 kilometers of, of the bike, almost all of the bike course yesterday. And it was so much fun having someone else, just having them there, um, showing them the bike course. And just, I mean, there were age groupers and I usually cheering only with pros, but it was so much fun to have someone else just jumping in as well and just, I mean, just sharing the experience with them as well and getting to show them what the bike course is like. Yeah, you seem like you've got... Um your energy seems really even keeled right now going into this, and I can feel some happiness and excitement. We did meet your homestay mom, Heidi, who's super nice. And um, and then Jeff, who is her husband, we're in his office right now with this huge... Uh, billboard from the world championship in may and uh, come to find out he's the president of the local tri club here so they totally understand you know what you're doing and yeah they're wonderful people this house feels feels really good uh and you have a great history here coming in fourth um in 2021 and uh having a big celebration across the finish line with your friend daniel and he's not here because he was he was in kona um is that a good thing that he's not here or is it or do you miss having him because i know you guys are really close um no i miss having him here for sure um the i was here three weeks prior to the race last year as well and we both stayed here and we had such a great time leading into the race and I mean, we were supposed to do the same thing this year. Um, he was supposed to go straight from Kona to here and stay with me here in this house. And yeah, it is a little tough not to have him here. Um, I miss him just here in the daily life, but I'm surely also going to miss him out on the race course on Saturday. Um, but yeah, luckily I have a few other Danes staying with me here now, so I'm not totally alone, but of course it would be nice to have Daniel here as well. How has... <clears throat> we'll, jump into, we'll jump into the race. How is prepping going here? I do feel... <laughs> So you feel feel comfortable, things are ticking along. You kind of have this fire probably burning from Dallas. You know, you're still like, oh, I don't have unfinished business. Like I have this fitness I just need to to unleash. So how is things how have things been going the past 12 days, you feel? Um, I feel like it's been going really good. Um, obviously, after that last of us a few weeks, I had to take off with almost no training because the body was just... Uh, yeah, it was... a. It was a high-speed crash, um, mostly road rash, but but yeah, my body was sore, um, and I could feel that for quite a long time, unfortunately. Um, but I've been healing up nicely and training back home after that went pretty smooth, and then the last 12 days has been really good. Um, but I don't know if it's a good thing. Um, when I arrived here in the U.S. last year prior to Walls, the training went so bad all the way to race day. Um, so I'm a little concerned the training is going so well this year. I don't know if it's a good sign or a bad sign, but... Coach keeps telling me that it's a good thing, so I'm going to stick with that and say, okay, if last year was good, then this year will probably be way better because training has been so much better this year in yeah, leading up to the race. Well, I think as athletes, we get 
I'm not going to say superstitious, but we get set in those ways like it should be the same over and over again. If I duplicate the same thing, I'm going to have the same result. But it's that ebb and flow, I think, mm-hmm. as, in, if, as you mature as an athlete, you, you understand you just got to gotta stay in the moment. You got to do what you can and continue to, to flow with what's happening to get the best out of yourself in that moment. Um, do you feel you're becoming a more wiser Mature athlete at this point? <laughs> I would love to say yes, but I don't know if that's the truth. Um, <laughs> I feel like I've matured after I became a dad. Um, I'll say that. I feel like I've raised more wisely than I have uh, in the past. Um, but oof, I feel like the superstition is real. That, that is, I feel like that's a real thing. Um, it's easy to fall into that. And yeah, I don't know. There's so many things going into a race and you are constantly thinking about, oh, how are my legs feeling? How are my back feeling? How is everything feeling? You are um, alert to every little notion that your body is sending. Um, and that can be both good and bad. Um, and that's, yeah, especially with, with the World Championship here, there's just so much pressure, well building up, so much um, attention coming into this race. And I feel like that can both be positive and negative, uh, depending on how you tackle it. Um, and Last year, leading into walls, nobody knew who I was. I was completely flying in under the radar. And I had a completely different lead up um, this week. Yesterday, I had Iron Man following me out of my training with a like, video guy and a photo guy. And I'll be with Breakfast with Bob tomorrow. And Wednesday, I'll be at the pre-race press conference. And it's completely different for me. And I feel like I'm going to be sitting up there with Christian, Gustav, Sam Long, and then there'll be me and I'll be like, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. Um, And I think that's the thing I'm going to be most nervous about. Um, And I don't know, I felt the same way last year at the post-race press conference when I was sitting up there with Gustav and Sam Long and Daniel and Jackson Laundry and all the girls. And I was like, all these guys are so amazing. Why am I sitting here? And I was so sure that no one knew who I was. And I was like, this is a little awkward. Um, and I'm a little afraid that I'll feel the same way on, on Wednesday. Um, yeah. Do you, is that, um, which is all, it's all normal. Like it's all normal. And, th- and all those guys probably went through the same thing too. Like um, coming up to that, coming up to that, um, that level. But um, that pressure you feel, do you feel it's more external or more internal pressure you put on yourself as the external rises? Um, yeah, I mean, the pressure is obviously external, but I feel like it also adds a little bit to the internal pressure. Um, but I feel like it's in a good way. I feel like I can still handle this amount of pressure. Um, and I feel like it's it's fun as well. I mean, it's fun to get a little bit of the spotlight and be up there with the, with the big dogs. Um, and yeah, I mean, I will have bib number four on race day and that's pretty cool as well. Um, so, I mean, I'm just, yeah, I'm just really excited and really pumped and just thrilled to go out there and, and race among the best in the world. <laughs> I'm just giggling at how you just described that. I love that. Thank you for sharing. And I'm having this vision of like the, the post-race press conference last year, like we got to get another chair for this guy. Like wh- what guy? Mickey, who? And uh, no, I think everybody very much knows who you are now. Um, what do you love about this? What do you love about this course? I know there's been some course changes, um, maybe just on the run. I'm not sure if it's the bike too, but what do you love about this course? Um, it's a very honest course. Um, I feel like the strongest athlete wins because the course is so tough. Um, the swim is probably the easiest. It'll be in a lake and 
I haven't been there when there's been any wind. I know there's been a lot of wind lately, but it seems like there'll be no on race day. So water will be flat, um, no waves. Should be pretty straightforward. But then that'll be the only thing straightforward come race day because that bike course is tough. Um, I mean, almost straight from the beginning, there's just rolling hills, um, punchy, some of them, some of them longer. Until we hit Snow Canyon, almost towards the end, and then, yeah, Snow Canyon is one long climb. Um, it's not too bad in the beginning, but then in the end, it's just picked up, and it gets real tough. And then you have the long descent going down into T2, and then the run, you just start running upwards. Um, the run course, I haven't tried it yet. They changed it yeah, completely from last year. Um, but yeah, last year it was so tough. Um, but I love that. It was so much fun. It was brutally, brutally, brutally hard um, all the way through. And it was it was amazing. I mean, even the weather just showed from the worst last year. We had a storm coming in, thunder. Um, I mean, it, it was amazing to see and, and be a part of. Um, and yeah, probably it'll be a little bit, I don't know if you will come more normal or just... Yeah, I feel like the the weather will be nicer this year. It will be cold probably, but should be calmer this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just excited to see it. The run course still seems to be pretty hard. Um, so yeah, it will make for an interesting race for sure. And yeah. So it is It is forecasted to be colder. We're a month later into the year. Uh, we're, you know, in this desert climate, which as we saw last year, anything can happen. People were freaking out about how warm it was going to be. And then we ended up having this crazy storm that came in and dropped temperatures significantly. How do you navigate weather like that, weather predictions? Or is it just something that, you know, it's just kind of noise that happens, but you don't get too caught up in it? Mm, last year I was pretty focused on the weather forecast. Um, but I've been over here for such a long time that I was acclimatized pretty well to the heat. And then when it turned out to be pretty cold, I was like, oh, well, this is just Denmark. I mean, I just feel at home now, and I kind of feel the same this year. It might be cold, but I mean, it's still what I'm used to. Um, so I actually just enjoy the scenery. I mean, now we have snow on top of the mountains, and that's so cool. I mean, the backdrop out on the course now is amazing. I mean, it was pretty before, but now it just looked like, I don't know, something out of a movie. Um, yeah, it's so beautiful. I keep sending pictures back home, and it's just I feel like all of them just could be postcards. Um, so I'm just enjoying the scenery. Yeah, it's gorgeous. We drove in last night. We were coming, I guess we were in that, we were coming from San Diego and coming through this part where you're going to Arizona for a little bit and the sun was going down and the colors were, you know, rose and purple and orange and blue. It was just, it was, it's so stunning here. It's, it's absolutely just so stunning. Um, all right. So, so much hype about this Norwegian train, right? I mean, obviously we saw some pretty amazing things that happened in Kona a couple of weeks ago, but uh, we're here to talk about the Danish cartel. Uh, <laughs> and what do you want the world to know about the cartel and what you guys are bringing to the sport and, and specifically what you're going to bring to this race this weekend? Um, I feel like the Danish cartel is real. Um, the Norwegians, they say they're such good friends, but I don't know about that. I mean, Christian and Gustav, I don't know. They might be good friends. They might be, they might be a show. I don't know. Um, I mean, everybody in the Danish cartel loves each other. Um, we are like one, one big family. 
I mean, we have yeah me, Matthias, and Scott staying here, and then we have Magnus and Fall staying just 20 minutes away. Uh, Daniel was supposed to be here as well. And I mean, yeah, the atmosphere is just really, really good. Um, we just we have a little bit of friendly band in between, but it's just, I mean, it's just family love. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're just, yeah, we're just really good friends. Um, and hopefully we can go and shake the Norwegians a little bit. Um, I would say that Magnus probably has the best chance since he has... He's superhuman on the bike, and this course I think will suit him really well. So I have a feeling that he will try and rattle the Norwegians a little bit on the bike. Um, I don't know. I might have to try and see if I can pull a trick out my sleeve as well. But yeah, we'll see about that. Um, but yeah, hopefully the Norwegians will be a little tired after Kona. Um, seemed like both of them had to dig very deep. Um, Gustav was. I mean, he pulled out a great performance. Um, but I think both of them miscalculated a little bit how much time they could let uh, Sam Laidlow have. Um, and Christian is for sure only coming here to to get a win. Um, I mean, a third place for him is, is not good, and a second place here for him probably wouldn't be good either. So, I mean, I bet the tension between those two must be pretty bad. Um, and I'm, ex I'm, I'm excited to see how that plays out. I mean, they always seem to be such good friends, but I'll put a question mark on that. Yeah, that's a good that's an inter, that's a good observation. I actually listened to that Rich Roll podcast with with them too, and it, it, I was wondering myself how long is this gonna how long will this take before they begin to not banter and but actually they're at that top edge where <clears throat> things it's gonna be one or the other, um, and I think that they play that they play the role really well right now. Um, do you does do all of you in the Danish cartel? Do you guys all have the same coach or different coaches? Uh, no, we have different coaches. Um, I have a guy called Rasmus, and Daniel's coached by Casper, uh, and then Magnus, Fall, and Scott are coached by the same guy. Okay. Um, so yeah, we have we have three different coaches. But when you all get together, you can all sort of yeah, they all talk together, so we can talk together. more or less just uh, get it organized, so we have more or less the same thing. I feel. I feel training in a group atmosphere. We just had uh, a live podcast that we launched last week or the week before. Um, talking to the point of getting a group together, getting that group atmosphere in, and everybody's rising each other. People have strengths and people have weaknesses. And when you get the group together, you play off of those and you learn things from others. Do you find that is happening with your group? Like you can pull from, from something that somebody else is doing really well and you can apply it to your, your performance and training? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been with the same squad in Odense for nine years now. Um, and in the beginning, we were all targeting the Olympics. Um, and then kind of yeah, shifted uh, towards longer distance instead. Um, but and I mean, there have been um, some sub substitutions in between. Some have stopped and some new have come in. Um, and we have had some international athletes as well that have brought um, a different perspective as well. Um, but it's been really good. And then we have the training center in, in Copenhagen where Magnus and Fall and, and Scott train um, with the other coach. And they have a little bit different approach. Um, so we're trying to combine the best of, of all um, and see whatever fits best. Um, but we have, yeah, we have three different uh, national training centers in Denmark. Um, and yeah, all the best triathletes in Denmark are based in one of those three, and the 
yeah, that's one coach. Um, yeah, maintaining the training in each of the different training centers. I mean, they all talk together weekly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we it does differ a little bit how we train, but it's more or less uh, the same. Um, but we try to learn as much as we can from each other. Um, and I don't feel like there are any secrets within uh, the team. We all try to make each other as good as we can. That's... We we love that that concept. It's like you're not you're not fearful of letting anything out. You're you understand that um, in order a way to grow is to be as open as possible and to let others in. Um, well, let's. Do you want to go back? Um, just where did? Because you talked a little bit about your journey to strive to to be in the Olympics. How did how did this all start? How does how you how did you start swimming, biking, and running? Um, yeah, so I started being an elite swimmer. Um... Um, yeah, I started swimming when I was little. Uh, I think I started swimming as a baby. Um, my parents brought me to baby swimming when I was probably six months old, and that's where it started. Um, then I had a period where I hated swimming, and I was crying every time I had to go swim practice, and it ended up with my parents saying, all right, when you can swim a 1,000 meters, then you can stop. I mean, Denmark is pretty much surrounded by water. When you can swim a 1,000 meters non-stop, then you can stop swimming. I said, perfect, now I have a goal. And I achieved that goal, and I think I stopped after that. And then I started again. Um, and I swam with my cousin, and almost every swim practice was me trying to drown my cousin. Um, and I think I was just bored. I think that it was not difficult enough for me. What we did was, was too easy. And one day, a new swim coach came, and he saw that. And he was like, Miggy, I think you should try the talent team instead. I was like, okay, I can try that. Um, so I had uh, a swim session there, and it was way more challenging, and it was way more fun. And I started swimming twice a week, I think, but I was still playing soccer and tennis. Um, and it was too much, and I decided to give up tennis, and I would call it football instead. I'm sorry, I called it soccer. Uh, I've been in the U.S. for too long. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I started swimming and, I don't know, it was maybe three times a week and then it just evolved and I was a competitive swimmer until I was, yeah, for a long time. And then a triathlete started on the swim team and I could see, I think he saw that I was tired of just following the black line on the bottom of the of the pool. Um, and he said to me, yeah, I think you should try and, and do this local race with me on Sunday. I was like, well, I don't have a bike. It's like, you can borrow my dad's bike. I was like, okay. So I borrowed a, a pair of my dad's old run shoes. They were probably two sizes too big. And I mean, I rode with just regular pedals, no clip on pedals. Um, but I had so much fun. Um, I finished first in my age group, I think. I don't even remember. I just remember that I had so much fun. I was like, well, this is, yeah, this is fun. Um, and they said, okay, then we have tryouts for the national team in yeah, in autumn, and you should come and try that out. And I did. And without much run training, I, I qualified for the national team. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was pretty much how it started with, with me getting into triathlon. Um, yeah, I, I then moved to... This was in 2012, and then in 2013, they asked all the national team to move to Odense, um, where they would start up a new squad 
uh, combined with the local university. Um, so the idea was that all of us had to study on the university so that we would get an education and do triathlon as well um, in dual career. And then, yeah, all of us had the same goal that we would try and qualify for the 2016 Tokyo uh, Rio um, Olympics. The problem was that I was no good. <laughs> I was the absolute worst on the national team. And we had two national coaches at that time, and they both told me, Miggy, don't, don't you think you should try and do something else? Um, I, I would like to add something to this story, though. I had a very bad crash in 2012 and hit my head really bad and had a lot of headache. Um, and also, therefore, I couldn't train that much. So, yeah. But when I started, I started university in 2014. Um, I was supposed to start 2013, but due to all the headache, I was I couldn't really concentrate on anything. Um, so I started in 2014, headache went away. Uh, I could suddenly train a lot more as well, and I just I just enjoyed the training. I enjoyed the training group, um, and I started improving. And then I I don't remember when I started racing internationally. That might have been 2015, 2016. Um, but I improved rapidly, um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and yeah, I did uh, Challenge Denmark in 2017 and finished third. Um, but still didn't feel like I was finished with, with short course. Um, managed to be a part of the uh, Danish Olympic team as well, trying to qualify for Tokyo in 2020. Um, raced a few ITU World Cups, um, had a lot of fun with that. But I felt like there was so much pressure and I was still not comfortable riding in a pack. Um, so I think it was late 2018 I decided to, to say I want to be on the team no more. Um, and that I would try something else. Um, so I had a few months in the end of 2018 where I didn't know exactly if I should stop triathlon or try to go into into long distance. Um, but I decided to do ETU middle distance European Champs on Ibiza and finished second place. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to give this a go again. And then, yeah, I did Oceanside 2019, finished eighth. I did Gdynia and finished third where Jan won the race and I was so starstruck being on the podium with Jan and yeah um, yeah that's pretty much how like my whole everything started first the swim then triathlon I know it was a bit long now but yeah now you got the full story are any of these guys that you're racing now did you race back then on, on like the ETU and ITU circuit yeah Matthias was staying with me here staying with me as well, uh, joined the team in, in 2014. So I've actually been racing alongside Matthias for the last eight years. Mm. Um, I, Yeah, there's a Dutch guy, Yuri. I think I've raced him in, in ITU as well. Um, I'm not sure I've raced any of the other guys. Um, I've raced Rille Gaines, um, which also qualified for this race, but it's not here. Um, yeah, and then I raced Vincent Louis in a non-draft Olympic triathlon in Los Angeles last year. But yeah, he also qualified for this, but it's not here. Mm. Um, but yeah. What is it about the, um, what do you think it is about the longer distance that has really clicked for you? Um, I would say that I've always been a fairly good bike rider. 
Um, and obviously, long distance triathlon favors strong bike riders more due to the non-draft. Um, and then my run just wasn't fast enough for the short course either. Um, and I have a little more endurance, which has played yeah into my favor. Um, so yeah, I would just say that the distance just suits me better than than the ICU distance did. Um, I had some okay results on Olympic Olympic distance racing, but yeah. On that, it was not really. I was, I was not made for that. I think, um, and this just suits me way better. And then the new distance, the hundred k. Does that? How does that fit into the? Um, I feel like it suits me really well as well. Um, I have quite a lot of power, I would say, on the bike. Um, I feel like the ideal distance for me would be an Olympic non-draft. Mm. Um, like St. Anthony's. There's Anthony's triathlon, isn't that one? Uh, might be. I don't. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm not that much into the US triathlons, but might be. I know that, that Olympic non-draft used to be really big. Um, I know they have a big one in Noosa in Australia. Um, but yeah, I feel like that would be my ideal distance. Um, but no, also really like the the hundred yeah one hundred kilometer distance that PTO have introduced this year. Um, and I'm so sad that I didn't get through Dallas because I felt in such good shape leading in. Um, but I mean, I guess we'll have to see next year. PTO. What do you think about the PTO and how it's um, how it's evolved over the past two, three years in your experience? Um, I feel like it's really changed the sport. Um, they are really good at seeing us as professional athletes. Um, they do a great job um, I wouldn't say nursing us, but still a little bit. Like um, in both Edmonton and Dallas, for example, they had a whole physio team for us. Um, we had chiropractors, PTs. Um, they had booked swim lanes for us at the local pool. Um, there was so much media attention, um, and they were just yeah, trying to evolve the sport in a good way. Um, the races get in all, like on all the big TV channels. Um, we are the main stars. We have our own like our own race. Not that I don't love to race along the the age groupers, um, but it was only us, and there was just something special about it. Um, it makes you feel yeah, it just makes you feel special, um, and. Yeah, that's kind of nice. Um, and then, of course, the prize money, also a big part. Um, I mean, I, I don't make a ton of money. Um, and the prize money I got just for my 10th place in, in Edmonton changed my whole year. Um, and that was super nice. Um, and also, uh, why it's one of the races that you really target um, is because there's just so much, yeah, so much money and so much exposure as well in, at the PTO races. Yeah, we're seeing it from the outside as age groupers and someone who's been in the sport for, we've been in the sport for almost 20 years now. Coverage alone is like a win. Like we just want to see professionals race because we can't be there. We just want to see every moment of it. And I know someone looking at it from the outside would say, well, that's like three hours of people swimming, biking, and running. But that's what we want. That's what the enthusiasts want. Um, but it's a game changer. So showing up to and finishing a PTO race, you make at least $2,000. At the very least, <clears throat> and I know that's not a ton, but you look at some of these other races, and you're not—if you don't finish in the top, you know, ten—then you've pretty much traveled and on on your own dime or sponsorships that you have. Um, so I, I really believe it's it's changing this this sport in a way where you're 
I'm not going to assume, but I would think that you're going to choose races a little bit differently now, planning your yearly schedule. Of course, you're going to come to Oceanside because um, <clears throat> that's a, an amazing race. But, you know, how do you, how do you pick races or, or is this something with your coach? Is this how you're feeling? Is it, is it just tra- you just train until you feel good and then you, then you pick a race? Um, I love to measure myself against the best in the world. Um, so I love the big races. Um, when I had to pick my first like real long distance race, I was like, I want to do Oceanside because I know the best in the world will be there. Um, and I want to see just how good I am. Like how good am I compared to the best in the world? Why do I need to improve? And the only way to find out is to race the best in the world. So I wanted to race Oceanside in 2019 because I knew that Lionel would be there. Jan would be there. They both ended up not coming, but but I wanted to race them because I wanted to see what am I missing, like what major um, features do I need to improve on, and it's been the same this year. I mean, I've I've raced the Challenger Championship first, then I raced European Champs in Elsinore, I raced uh, PTO Canadian Open, I was supposed to race US Open and then World Champs now, and then I have one more championship race this year. And I just want to race the best in the world. I feel like that's how I race the best. Um, I still haven't won a race and also want to do that. But at the same time, I feel like I evolve the most as an athlete when I race the best in the world and also feel like that's when I race the best. Um, So, yeah, and I also just find so much enjoyment in, in knowing that I'm racing against the absolute best guys in the sport. So last year, placing fourth here, racing the best in the world at the World Championship, what did you take away and put to work? Um, that showed me that even though I think, I'm, think of myself as a good biker, that was one area where I needed to improve. Um, I felt like I struggled a lot last year on the bike and felt absolutely awful when I got off the bike, actually. Um, but I reckon that everyone else felt worse than I did because I still had a pretty decent run. Um, but no, also my run has been something that I've really needed to work on. Um, I had some really good runs last year. This year has suffered a little bit as well. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's mostly the run where I need to improve. Um, I'm usually out with the front pack, but still also have some improvement to be done there. Um, so all I would say that's improvements for sure to be done in all three disciplines. Um, but the run is probably where I need to improve the most. And do you feel like uh, the work that you put in has put you in a in a better place or a place that you weren't in a year ago? Um, I hope so. Um, it's been more up and downs this year than last year. Uh, last year I didn't race too much. I only raced Elsinore and then World Champs and then I raced again later in the year. Um, but yeah, due to my son being born last year, I didn't do a ton of racing. So I had so much time to just train and prepare and I felt like that was so important for me as well. Um, I haven't done a ton of racing this year either, but I've also been a little bit injured. So I feel like it hasn't been as smoothly this year. But I would still say that my shape is pretty good coming into World Champs this year. And I feel more confident going into this race than I did last year. Um, And I know a little more what to expect. Uh, Championship races is just different than any other race. Uh, Race dynamics are different. Um, The whole world is suddenly watching and, and 
Yeah, it's just everything around is just different and you can't compare a championship race to any other race out there because it's, it's just completely different. And now I know what to expect. Um, and I definitely feel like that will be an advantage come race day. How do you know in the race, how do you know the moment when you're going to go beyond, like, let's just say Magnus and, and Gustav take off on the bike. How do you know you're supposed, how do you feel, and I'm putting you on the spot to be, like, put you in that scenario? When does the mind say, I need to go with them or I need to, I need to hold back? Like, how do you, how do you work through those thoughts that are going through your mind? Um, first, I'll need to see who's going. Um, and then probably also how many people are going with them. Um, for example, last year a bigger group took off, but my goal last year was to finish was to finish within the top ten. Um, so I was fairly happy with where I was, and I was like, okay, I'm still within the top ten. Um, I was like, okay, no problem, they can take off. I don't I don't care too much. And also, frankly, last year I didn't have a choice because I didn't feel so good on the bike. So I mean, it also depend on how I feel. Um, but I mean, this year, of course, I won't be satisfied with a top ten. Um, having finished fourth last year put some extra pressure on, on like internal pressure on, on me as well. Um, so yeah, this year I'll have to tackle it differently. Uh, hopefully uh, not let anyone go get away on the bike, but we'll have to see. I might not be able to do anything about it, but hopefully I can still give it a try um, and say that I've done every, everything possible um, or else I'll have to count on my run. Do you uh, practice any kind of visualization or uh, any kind of mindset practices in preparation for a race? Um, a little bit. I have done a fair bit of uh, mindfulness um, exercises, um, but it's mostly been when, and probably will, again, leading into this race, once we come closer to race day, because a lot of thoughts start to show up. It can be hard to fall asleep in the night. You have so many scenarios going through your head. And then, yeah, I just feel like mindfulness can help in that way. Um, and I've been using that. I've been working with uh, a sports psychiatrist back home in Denmark as well, who have helped me with some tools on how to tackle that. Um, also, the... Yeah, pressure that there will just be more pressure this year um, on how to tackle that and how to tackle the different emotions that will come up during the race. Um, I mean, I don't think you ever have a spotless race where you just feel like afterwards that you have done everything perfectly. Um, so it's how you tackle those difficulties that you will see in a race. Like how to tackle if Magnus goes away on the bike early or if Christian or Gustav or if you just not come out of the water one minute down. Like... Those tough scenarios that you don't hope for, but they might happen, then then how do you react to that? Um, so, yeah, I've been spending a quite amount of time on that. So we've all got that chatter in our head, you know, and, and it could be about something that happened at work for somebody. It could be, you know, professional athlete going through scenarios in their head. How do you, how do you return to, like, how do you return to center, to a place of calmness or where you feel grounded um, when all of those thoughts are kind of swirling around? I try to accept that the thoughts are there, but I have work to do. So I try to focus on what I... 
like I have these thoughts in my head, but I try to accept them and focus on what I can do instead of what I can't do. Mm. And it's way tougher than it sounds, but <laughs> that's what I try to do. <laughs> Well, it is, you know, and, and I think that there's some conditioning really in our world. Like we, we f tend to focus on what we did wrong. We tend to focus on how far we have to go. Um, and it's almost like, well, you're not, you're not tough or if you're only just focusing on, you know, you need to not, almost like you're in denial if you're just focusing on the good things. But what has happened, I think, and maybe you agree, is like we've completely dismissed the good things and no longer are we celebrating the victories or what we're doing right. Um, but we put a lot of, of focus on what's going wrong and I don't think that that helps us at all. Uh, absolutely not. But again, it can, be, it can be tough in a race not to focus on the bad things, um, depending on how it goes. Uh, last year, I almost felt like it was going too good. Um, and I actually had quite a hard time trying to stay in the zone because I was so focused on how well it was going. Um, so last year um, I had to put all the happy thoughts away. I was like, you need to focus on this. You can't be, it's not over yet. You have to, f to fight all the way to the finish line. Um, and I was well beyond top 10 after one lap on the run and had one lap to go. I think I was in, at sixth place after one lap. And I was like, well, this, this is good. And I was like, yeah, well, but there's still more places to catch up. Like, you, you can't be satisfied yet. Um, so I needed to push myself back in the game. Um, and I needed to bring out some, some more anger and some more aggression to, to keep fighting. Um, so that was actually a little bit of the opposite. So, I mean, yeah, for sure, we put a lot of emphasis on the bad. But, it, it, yeah, it can go both ways. Um, yeah. Yeah, I like that you brought that up. It's, you know, it's... Um... <sighs> you got to take it to the finish because there'll be a part of the mind that says, well, six is good. Like yeah. six is great. You wanted to be top 10 and you're six, like you're already winning. But if you didn't have that fight, a little bit of that, that anger, which is good. It's motivation. It's like, oh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can crawl back a couple more spots. You wouldn't have experienced fourth and it would have been so easy to be 14th or 24th. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah, you always have to, our, our meditation teacher always says like, you better have a guard at the gate, meaning like you better have a part of you that's always watching the thoughts that are going to be coming through the gate, which is basically like into your reality. Like just watch all of those because even the good ones can hold you back. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, you've just laid the, you've just laid the groundwork by not getting too high and too low, but coming back to the present moment during that race. You've laid the groundwork for future experiences to happen. So let's say on Saturday, you're like in you know, third place and you're like, okay, I'm on, on the podium, but you can see second place ahead of you. And so third place, you'd be like, I'm already at max, you know, I'm mm -hmm. good. But you've laid that pattern in your mind to recall and say, okay, well now I know I can at least push and go a little bit harder, go a little bit further. And then maybe that third place becomes second, second becomes first. So it's, the work is never done, is the Absolutely point. Absolutely not. <laughs> it's a constant, constant process, so you got to be on to it. Um, how, how, do, how does it all get on with the group, the cartel, when you guys are training together? How is, because um, I'm sure there's some mind, you know, you guys have a good time, which is important, you guys have fun. Um, how how is it with the with the mind mindset with with the group of um, the group of you guys training together? Um, I feel like we're all trying to better each other. Um, no one is trying to pull anyone down. Um, I 
yeah, I just feel like it's it's a happy place. Um, and I feel like everyone is, I mean, both here and and in Dallas, um, we're all trying to just, when we're not trying, we're all just happy together and we're just uh, helping each other out. Um, I mean, even after I crashed, I had all the other Danes there with me and they were all, like patching me up, Magnus stairs, fixing my elbow. Um, Danny was putting on the bandages and... Yeah, I don't know, Paul was telling jokes um, or trying to. And I mean, yeah, we're just trying to support each other in every way we can. And I feel like when one is having success, it's all of us having success. Wow. <laughs> success. Um, like we're all one big group and not just five individuals. I like that. Yeah. And you can see it in the videos. I've been watching Daniel's videos and... I think it, it was that scene with you in the bandage and you guys are there eating and they were like, well, what's, you think you're going to be starting on, or with how's it going to go? And you're like, oh yeah, it's going to go great. And Daniel's like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> what's he talking about? Um, you have so much fun. And I think that's an important aspect of, of this sport. Where do you see, um, so pie in the sky, where do you, like, where do you see yourself um, a year, two years, three years from now? You know, you, you mentioned you haven't, outright won a race yet but is that that's on the radar uh what race sorry any race just, oh any race yeah um i feel like it's hard to tell yeah um i want to say world champ but i don't know if that's further away still um i feel like it definitely have the potential but i don't know if i still need a few more years to mature um and adapt to the training as well um, and I don't know if it will be on the half distance or the full. Um, I'll have to find out what my potential is on the full as well. But I feel like it's it's doable for me on the 70.3 distance as well. Um, I know that the Norwegians can be cracked. Just need to find the code. I like that. So no, Ironman is, an, is a potential Absolutely, in the future. Yeah. And seeing what you saw from those guys in Kona coming from you know, really not doing many Ironman races, does that really, does that really inspire you? That Yeah, that is possible. motivating for sure. Um, I remember seeing Daniel doing, doing Klagenfurt as his first Ironman, having done only 70.3 training. And he went out there and he won Klagenfurt with 14 minutes, I think. He just, yeah, obliter obliterated the field um, and smashed anyone, everyone on the run. And that was inspiring to see. And yeah, it's kind of the same that we have seen Gustav and Christian do. They have gone out there with, they've probably done some Ironman training, but I mean, Christian also became Olympic champ last year. So we've still been doing a whole lot of short course work as well and just managed to combine the two in a very good way. And so, yeah, I definitely think that it's, it's doable. So I heard a little rumor that the PTO is going to be putting on a 200K. Did you hear that as well? Yeah, I've heard that rumor as well. Yeah, what a cool distance that is. A little bit less than an Ironman. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, that does sound very good to me. <laughs> I think that's going to be, will that come out in 2023? Uh, I think that's the rumor on the street. Yeah, very cool. So let's say, you're, let's say your son is listening to this when he's older. Um, what, what would you want to say to him about... Um, his path forward and finding, you know, what he loves in, in life. Um, hi, Carl. Um, 
never give up on your dreams, no matter what people tell you. Um, I know this is the Iron Man slogan, but in this case, it's true. Uh, anything is possible. Um, and most importantly, have fun. Um, I think if you have fun with what you're doing, then you will excel at it. Um, and I think that's the most important thing. And that's your, your son's name is Carl? Yeah. <laughs> so cute. Um, has anybody joined in with you uh, with your singing on the bike? Or are you, have you purposefully turned up the volume to annoy any of your cartel members? Oh, it would have been uh, no singing so far. Um, that, that is actually not, not on the, out on the bike. There was a little singing yesterday. Uh, Scott was playing on the piano. And, uh, yeah, and we, we sang a little bit as well. <laughs> and I heard you talk about how when you, when you started training um, with the national team, that everybody was very welcoming. Um, and how do you, how do you now pay that forward? Uh, do you have contact with the up and coming Danish triathletes, like they're the, the younger generation and how are you paying that forward to them? Yeah, we have a lot of up, up and coming guys, uh, in Odense now. Um, and I try to help them the best way I can. Um, try to welcome them the same way that I felt I was welcomed back in 2013. Um, and I coach a few of them as well. Um, try and yeah, help them the best way I feel I can. Um, whether it's with coaching or life in general or whatever it is. Um, I just moved from home when I moved to Owens in 2013. So I know that some of them have some... Yeah, there can be a lot of things going on when you just moved away from home as well. Um, so I feel like I have a lot of experience in a lot of the fields that they might have difficulties with. Um, so yeah, I, I try and help them the best way I can. Um, of course, also racing, I have a little bit of experience now with both the ITU circuit and with yeah, long distance racing. Um, yeah. And what's next for you uh, this year after World Champs? Yeah, that will be Ironman Israel. So I will get my Ironman debut this year. Yeah, 25th of November. What? <laughs> yeah. That's already decided. I already signed up, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I was not sure I was going to do it, but then I had decided to decide after Walls, but then I kind of felt like um, Dallas got stolen away from me, and I was like, well, now I need a race. And I was like, okay, Israel it is. So, so Worlds to Israel. Uh, no, I'll go home. I need to go home. Okay. I'll, I'll, uh, <laughs> yeah, you see Carl. <laughs> yeah, I need to go home. Um, but I will only be home. The plan is to be home for 10 days, I think, and then go to Club La Senza with Daniel and prepare for Israel, and then he will be coming to Israel as well. That's awesome. Um, Isn't that where you, you swim in the Sea of Galilee? It is, yeah. Wow, sacred land. Yeah, that, that'll be epic. What do you do outside of triathlon? Like when you're not swim biking, running, planning, coaching, what is it that what is it that um, fills your cup of joy? Um, spend a fair amount of time with the family, um, all the time. It's, it's with the family, with Carl and my girlfriend, um, and yeah, I mean, I just I love the family life as well. Um, I find enjoyment on being. Uh, 
on new roads, um, getting new experiences in foreign countries, um, getting to know new people. Um, but I mean, there's no better place than home. Um, and home is where the heart is. Um, and uh, yeah, I love to be home with the family. Um, yeah. What I know Carl is young, but is there anything that he's, you know, finding interest in? Mm, he loves to be outside. Um, he's an outside kid, I think. Um, he's crazy about yeah, outdoors, sand, leaves, um, probably also bugs, but I haven't seen him eat any yet, but he probably has. <laughs> um, we have a, a rabbit as well that he's very fond of. I heard that he just started kissing it now when I've been gone and his hair gets all filled up with hair. Oh, his mouth gets all filled up with hair and that sounds amazing. Um, and I'm excited to get home and see that. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, yeah, he's young, so I mean, a lot still happens in three weeks. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad that FaceTime is a thing, that I can still get to see him a little bit. Um, yeah. I was just going to ask if Carl's going to be baby swimming as soon as possible. Oh, he's already swimming. Yeah, yeah, he's been to the pool a few times and he loves water. Um, we're taking him to the beach this summer as well and he's crazy about water, yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you again. Uh, just amazing that you lent this time to us uh, the week of this race. We really appreciate it. And it was just so good after, after um, you know, a long time now, finally getting together and sitting with you and, and just really like not, not just hearing your words, but like feeling your energy. You're just a really lovely, lovely human being and uh, so grateful to have had this time with you and um, man, we will be cheering you so loud on Saturday and I just really wish for you that you have an amazing race. Thank you so much guys and thanks for having me on. It was wonderful. Mm -hmm.